Well, good morning, church, and peace be with you. It is good to see all of you gather here in the Faith and Arts Center for Worship on this combined Labor Day Sunday service. We also realize we have folks out of town who are joining us online as well. Four times a year, we get together twice in the Faith and Arts Center, more contemporary style, and two times a year in the sanctuary, more traditional style. And it's a wonderful opportunity to perhaps see people you normally don't see. Some of you got here early enough to enjoy refreshments, and after the service, we invite you to tarry for a while and visit with one another. I do need to offer this apology. I allowed Dr. Jeff Rogers to choose the donuts today. And he got boring Krispy Kreme rather than those delicious Dunkin' Donut holes with jelly put in the middle. He's young, he's still learning, so y'all please be patient with him. This morning's scripture lesson is a very familiar passage. Our Reverend Sarah has already spoken about it with the children. I didn't think to dress like a tree. That was very creative. And it's from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. The Apostle Paul talks about nine attributes that naturally and supernaturally emerge in the Christian life when we follow Jesus. And the fruit of the Spirit includes peace in the midst of stress. And I invite you to listen closely now to God's Word. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Amen. Over the years, I have collected some church bulletin bloopers. Here are a few of my favorites. The low self-esteem group will meet this Thursday at the church. Members are encouraged to use the basement back door. That was a thinker. I wasn't sure if you would get that one or not. Number two, Irving Benson and Jessica Carter were married on October the 24th. Thus ends a friendship that began in elementary school. <laughs> For those of you who have children and don't know it, the nursery is downstairs. Please be in prayer for those who are sick of our congregation and community. Due to the senior minister's illness, this Wednesday's healing service is canceled. And my personal favorite, is stress killing you? Let the church help. Take the simple stress test with me this morning. Breathe in, hold, breathe out. If you are breathing, you're under stress. Tension is a natural part of life and it is inescapable. I love the definition one author had that stress is the demand made on our adaptive capacities of body and mind is the demand made on the adaptive capacities of our body and mind. And the reason I like the definition is it has two parts. One is the demands of life. The second are adaptive capacities, which explains why there are seasons of life we, as well as others, can face tremendous amounts of stress and get through relatively unscathed. There are other times in life when relatively minor amounts of stress completely undo us. It's not only the demands, but also our capacity to handle it. 
Some stress can actually be positive. When we face demands and overcome them, it can be self-affirming and encouraging. We meet a deadline, complete a project, finish homework, solve a problem. It makes us feel really good about ourselves. Wise parents know this raising children. In appropriate ways, they give their sons and daughters the resources to deal with a problem and then allow them to do so rather than trying to intervene and to short-circuit the process. And the child learns the next time they face a challenge, rather than turning to their parents, they have their inner resources to begin to respond. For those who are engineers in the congregation, suspension bridges are examples of positive stress and tension. The cables that go from one support to the other stretch and bear the weight of the bridge as well as the traffic. Then they run to anchors in the ground, which dissipate the tension and the stress. It's actually stress that holds the bridge up. Having said that, we all know stress can also be an extremely negative experience. Proverbs 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety weighs down the human heart. When the demands of the world are greater than our capacity to deal with them, something gives and oftentimes we collapse. And we all know the psychosomatic symptoms of stress. Mental, it's worry, anxiety, inability to think straight. It's emotional, we become anxious, impatient, angry. Relational, It breaks relationship with others as well as God, and we have the inability to communicate clearly. Physical, here's the checklist, fatigue, yes. Insomnia, yes. Heartaches, yes. Blood pressure, heart disease, not yet. We know what it means to be a people under stress. In this classic scene from the sitcom Seinfeld, we see Frank Costanza deal poorly with stress. I got no leg room back here. Move your seat forward. It's as far as it goes. There's a mechanism. You just pull it and throw your body weight. I pulled it. It doesn't go. If you want the leg room, say you want the leg room. Don't blame the mechanism. All right, Dad, we're five blocks from the house. Sit sideways. Like an animal. Because of her, I have to sit here like an animal. Serenity now! Serenity now! What is that? doctor gave me a relaxation cassette. When my blood pressure gets too high, the man on the tape tells me to say, Serenity now! Are you supposed to yell it? The man on the tape wasn't specific. <laughs> what happened to the screen door? It blew off again? I told you to fix that thing. Serenity now! <laughs> Stress is not a question of if. It's a question of when. It's now and it's always. And in case you missed it, screaming serenity now really doesn't help us deal with stress as God's people. So how do we cultivate a peace that passes understanding and draw near to God so that the stress of this world does not overcome us? Our bumper video right before the sermon came from the Bible Project. 
Those of you who have been involved in uh, some of our Bible studies in the past, as well as some of our sermon series, we've used material from these guys. It is superb. If you're beginning a new Bible study on a particular book of the Bible or a topic, just go to YouTube, type in the Bible Project and whatever you're looking for. They give amazing overviews about different aspects of the Scriptures. Today, they're talking about the two words for peace used in the Bible. The one is very familiar to us. It's shalom. Hebrew means peace. And to this day, if you have Jewish neighbors or if you travel to Israel, they will greet one another with the word shalom, peace. Unless they live in southern Israel, then they say shalom, y'all. <laughs> it's true. Go over there and visit. You'll see. Shalom in Hebrew does not necessarily mean just an absence of conflict, that peace is just not no war. Peace is a fulfilled relationship with God as well as with one another. Irina, which is found in the New Testament, is very similar to shalom, but it talks about dwelling in God's presence and how that tranquility naturally flows out of the understanding that God holds us in God's hands. There's a phrase we oftentimes use that appears in Revelation along with a couple of other places in the New Testament where Jesus says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I find comfort in that image because it means that God is the bookends of life and of creation and that there's nothing that occurs within our lives that takes place outside of God's presence and providence in our life. Some of us grew up singing that song, he's got the whole world in his hands. Imagine God holding us in God's hands. And no matter what we face, we do not face it alone. God is with us. So let's consider four different scripture passages that talk about peace. The first comes from our scripture lesson today, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And I appreciated Reverend Sarah pointing out that this is an organic image. We did an entire series on the fruit of the Spirit a year or two ago. And part of what I said to you then is the fruit of the Spirit is not like a Boy Scout badge. You don't look at this list of nine different attributes and go, patience, that's what I need. Self-control, that's what I've got to work on. Gentleness, I could use more of that in my life. And then you start going out trying to be patient or more self-controlled or gentle. What Paul says is when you abide in God, remember Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you like a branch and a vine. These things naturally and supernaturally begin to emerge in our lives all of them. So how we get these attributes is to come closer to God and we begin to resemble God more. One of the titles given to Jesus is Prince of Peace. Paul wrote to the church in Rome and said, we have been justified through faith, therefore we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace by which we now stand. And again, peace is not external circumstance, but internal relationship. That's how we cultivate it. That's how we discover it, by abiding in the presence of God. There's a familiar scene in Jesus' ministry that I preached on a couple of times in the past, where at the end of a long day's ministry, Jesus is exhausted. 
he gets on the boat, and the disciples cast off into the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus crawls into the back and goes to sleep. So if you fall asleep during the sermon this morning, it's okay. You're following Jesus' example. In the midst of the lake, a storm arises. And even the experienced fishermen are scared to death. And they go looking for Jesus, and he's still asleep in the back. And there's this moment in the story where they awaken Jesus, the Son of God, screaming in his face, Lord, don't you care if we drown? And if we're real honest, there are times in our life when we come to God and scream the same thing, Lord, don't you care? You see what all is going on around me, the storms of life? They're threatening me, causing me to almost go under the surface. And the story continues that Jesus stands up, takes in the situation, and says, be still, and the wind and the waves die. And the apostles look at each other and say, who is this guy? Even the elements surrender to his command. When I am facing the storms of life, it is helpful for me to envision that scene and to hear Jesus saying over my life, Peace, be still. As the psalmist quoted God saying, be still and know that I am God. The second scripture passage comes from Jesus' last supper with the disciples, which we will call a little later in the Lord's Supper. It's John chapter 14, verse 27, and he's trying to comfort his disciples as he warns of his impending death. And he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, do not be afraid. And there are two elements in that I want to pick out for you. First of all, we as Christ followers have already received the gift of peace. It is offered to us. It is part of our birthright as God's children. We have to accept it and take it. The second part of Jesus' words is that this is not peace like the world gives. It's not peace that depends upon what the news is this morning, of how your stock portfolio may be doing, of what's happening in your relationships or at school or work and in other aspects of life. It is peace not of the world, but of God. The third passage is very familiar to us. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. You've heard this quoted many times before. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And there's this wonderful joy-saturated passage where Paul talks about the joy that is ours in Jesus Christ, which is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. But remember what comes immediately after Paul's words. He goes on to say, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and what happens? The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you have not memorized that passage, let me encourage you to do so. There are many nights at 2 a.m. I recite this passage to myself. And if you're awake, give me a call. We can pray together. But here's something crucial I think that's important here. The natural human response to stress is worry, anxiety, confusion, and fear. Paul says the supernatural Christian reaction to stress is pray. Pray with thanksgiving. And 
something else is, I think, essential here. Paul does not say, pray so that your prayers are answered and then you will find peace. What Paul says is the very act of praying brings peace. That cultivating that relationship with God reminds us of who we are and whose we are in the broader context of life and of this world. And then there's this wonderful image where Paul talks about God's peace will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a great image? Of the Holy Spirit standing guard over our head and over our heart and bringing us peace. The next scripture passage is 1 Corinthians 7 verse 15. And this is a principle we discover over and over again in the Bible that our relationship with God always has implications for our relationship with others. And that peace is not simply a spiritual state that we seek. It is also something we are called to promote. Because 1 Corinthians says, God has called us to live in peace. And Paul goes on to say the way you do that is by being at peace in relationship with others about you. Jesus said earlier in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. We're called to promote peace in the relationships with those around us. And my guess is if I give you, I don't know, five seconds, you can think of somebody you don't have a right relationship with, a relationship that needs tending. And you're sitting there thinking, yeah, but it's not my fault. Paul doesn't talk about that. Jesus didn't ask whose fault it was. He said, go make peace. There's a sermon illustration I've used several times, but I like it, so I'm going to use it again. Some of you will remember several years ago when there was a bumper sticker that was very popular, and it said, Envision World Peace. Remember those? Okay. Somebody, as a counterpoint, came out with another bumper sticker, and it said, Forget World Peace. Envision using your turn signal. <laughs> I'm not saying forget World Peace. But envision what peace might look like with your family and your neighbor and your friends and your coworkers and your fellow students and that person that you're alienated from. How is God calling us to make peace? Because it turns out peace is as personal as your toothbrush. And it's not just a state, it's something we're also called to create. There was an art patron who commissioned two different authors, artists to paint uh, paintings that portrayed peace. And they came with two very different renditions of what peace might look like. Uh, The first artist painted an idyllic scene that you might expect of this beautiful meadow, wildflowers, birds, butterflies, bumblebees, a stream meandering through the middle, and just to look at it (sighs) made you relax. The second artist painted a scene of a raging river that was overwhelming its banks. It was eating away at the walls of the stream, sweeping everything in front of it. But a little ways off of the stream, there was a sturdy tree rooted deep into the earth, and in the top of the branches, there was a mother bird caring for her young with absolutely no worry about the raging torrent underneath. Some of us grew up singing that children's song, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river in my soul. I saw this meme a while back, I had to share it. This is the river. 
If you're thinking peace comes because you're floating down a lazy stream without even having to put your paddle in the water, there may be a few moments in life that are like that. But most of the time, we're going over class one, two, three, four rapids. And if we're going to find peace, it's not going to occur in the stream around us. It's going to occur within our own hearts. Today, we're called to allow God's living waters to flow through our hearts and our minds and our souls and to wash away that anxiety and that fear, that worry, that stress that threatens to overwhelm us. Because even in the midst of turmoil, we serve the Prince of Peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. In this morning, in this service of both word and of sacrament, I invite you to hear Jesus pronounce these words over your life. Peace, be still. Let us pray. Almighty God, grant me, grant us the serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living Lord, we make our prayer. Amen.